All right, as we are in 2 Corinthians 11, we will look at, uh, as we begin uh, this study, we'll look at verses 13 and 14. Paul is warning the Corinthians of false teachers. Uh, Really, even at the beginning of the chapter, uh, we can see his concern for the Corinthians. But then we come down to verses 13 and 14. For such are false apostles... Deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And even down to verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. We are in a spiritual battle, aren't we? It is, it is obvious. I think that we uh, see it, it seems, uh, even more so today. There just seems to be uh, such an onslaught of false ideas, of false teaching. We're thankful for uh, maybe some good apologetics ministries, but sometimes it seems overwhelming because we meet people at work or in the classroom or wherever we're at, and it seems like there's all kinds of ideas out there that are attacking the truth of the Word of God. And I think I've used these kinds of statistics before, but uh, I've heard things like 80-85% of people claim to be spiritual, and yet it's extremely low as far as those who actually practice some sort of religion. So it just goes again to show us that we have an eternal part. There is a religious side of man. Man is inherently religious in the sense that man is seeking for answers. Why we're here, what is the purpose of life, where do we go when we die, and so man is constantly looking for answers to life's biggest questions. One of the biggest questions that seems to be coming up anymore now is why is there all this evil in this world? Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? We'll talk about that some more in the morning message as we are in James chapter 1. But let's begin by looking at some different masks and asking some questions regarding different masks. And you'll see where this is going here in uh, just a few minutes. But what person might wear a mask like this? A catcher or maybe an umpire, right? Okay. So a baseball catcher, I know they have fancier ones than this, but uh, this might be an older style, but we do see baseball catchers wearing this, or maybe an umpire. What about this one here? Scuba diver, snorkeler, right? Anybody ever done scuba diving or, or snorkeling? Okay, the mask is very important, isn't it? <laughs> kind of hard to hold our breath for a long time underneath the water. How about this one here? And don't go to a slasher movie. That's what some of you are thinking, right? Okay. <laughs> a hockey goalie, exactly, right. Okay, we recognize this mask. Uh, maybe there's lacrosse. I don't know. Does, lacrosse, does the goalie wear anything like this on lacrosse? I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, primarily a, a hockey goalie. What about this one here? What was that? Motor, okay, motor cry. I hadn't thought about that one. Sam? Paintball, okay. Did I hear another one? Paintball, all right. Paintball player, yeah, or uh, I hadn't thought about uh, 
like a motocross or something along that line, uh, an outdoor uh, road type activity. All right, then what about this one here? Martial arts. Yeah, basically it would be something along the lines of a um, spar, not, not, what, is, what is it called? Jou Sparring, yeah, the, the, the jousting or whatever that they do. So I think there's even a, an Olympic game. I had, a, I had a friend, well, he's an evangelist today, Scott Savinsky. Uh, some of you may have heard Jerry Savinsky in the, in the past, evangelist Jerry Savinsky. His, his son, Scott, we were in college together, and Scott is a, I forget what degree, black belt. And uh, they would practice sometimes on campus, and I, I went and watched a couple times, and then had the privilege of having Scott at our former ministry. And he actually, I think it was he, I think he used um, nunchucks and knocked and knocked a carrot out of my mouth on on the platform. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild stuff. But he would he would know how to do this kind of thing, and maybe you watch it maybe in the Olympics or something. But this mask would go with probably a martial arts uh, sparring type of activity. So that brings us to our key verses, if we want to call it our memory verse. Uh, we see some specific descriptions about false teachers. Why are people attracted to false religion? What is it about false religions that seems to attract people? To the point that we know some of the famous cults that are out there. We know Jonestown and the whole Kool-Aid incident and the fact that they would follow him all the way down to South America not that long ago. I think it was in the last six months there was a, a death cult over in Kenya and uh, they had, I believe, over 100 people commit some sort of ritual act of suicide following some cult leader. We know some of us are old enough to know about David Koresh and the Davidian compound and all that. I was watching a documentary on that. Wow, it's hard to believe that people would buy into to such foolishness. Out in San Diego years ago, there were people who were following some astronomical events, and they thought that that was the sign of the end of the times, the apocalypse, and so they committed suicide as they saw this asteroid or whatever it was going across the, the night sky, and they found all these people, dozens of them dead in this cult compound somewhere, I think it was in the San Diego area. We can go on and on, but not just the cults, but what about the false religions? There's millions of people that follow false religions like Islam and um, Catholicism. Uh, we know the millions of people for thousands of years even who have bought into uh, false teaching regarding Catholicism and the that works can save and a mutual type of justification and sacramental systems of, of works righteousness. We can get into Mormonism and we will touch on, uh, Lord willing, we'll have some time to look at some of these specifically and maybe try to answer some questions regarding what they believe and how we can answer as believers when it comes to dealing with uh, some of these. How many of you have a, a relative that you would say is uh, very maybe closely following or involved in uh, a false religion of some kind. Anybody have relatives? Okay, so we probably have several people here, it looks like, that know someone even within their family, maybe not their immediate family, but uh, their extended family, 
who are caught up in some sort of false religion. Denny? Ignorance of truth, yes, and that's the bottom line. The bottom line is the suppressing of the truth. Exactly, well, willing ignorance. Uh, we talked about, we often refer to creation, the conscience, and the soul, and the general revelation that gives every person, uh, in a sense, a taste of God, draws every person to a greater knowledge of God, and holds everybody accountable, and then, of course, the special revelation of the living word of God, Jesus Christ, and the written word, which is all about Jesus Christ. So why do people, then he just talked about ignorance of the truth, but what, what else? What else appeals to people when it comes to, okay, no conviction of sin. Interesting. Earl? Okay, a uniqueness, a, des a desire to be the ones with the special knowledge, the secret. Yeah, interesting. They see another hand? Yes, Becky. Okay, good point. Good point. So she's saying the idea that, humanly speaking, sometimes the false religions seem to make sense of things from a purely human perspective, or there's felt needs that the false religion says that they can, they can meet, different needs that, that people have within their, their own psyche or emotions. Yes, Sam. Yes. And, you know, all, all the religions, except for first Christianity, you have to do something. Right, good point. The false religions appeal to this desire to work for salvation, of works righteousness. Good point. Anything else? Jake? Yes. 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 Yep. That is, a, that is a great point. They often have a spiritual leader, guru, somebody who they look to who has an eloquence to them, who appeals to them, and there's a persuasiveness to them, and then we know that there's eventually a spiritual manipulation. But yeah, that's a great point. It goes to the fact that we are looking for a savior. We're looking for somebody who can give us answers, who can lead us to peace and prosperity. Good point. Hank? Yes. Yes. Right. I know. I remember watching some of the documentary, and it was unbelievable what people would uh, believe and what they would allow him to do. Yeah. Incredible. And then to defend him even down to their deaths in some cases. Yeah, incredible. Anything else? Oh, yes, yes, Gary. It seems as though all of them have one thing in common, and that is an association, or a seemed association with Christianity. They oh. all profess a, a 
Okay. Okay. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Hobart Freeman. Does anybody know that name? Huh. I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. Interesting. Really? Oh, interesting. Huh. Huh. Yeah, you make a great you make a great point. They, oh, of course, of course, yeah. But you make a great point. An element of truth. A a twisting of the truth. There's an element of truth that's there, but then they twist it and add to it, and we'll talk about that some more. That's a great point, though. Hank? Oh, right. Yeah. Now, I think with him, I think with him the, appeal, the appeal would be to look within the inner self and to find this inner spirituality and the essence of being able to live that out in almost a godlike I forget all the different things that are involved there. But Yeah. 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 The deeper you go, the more entangled you get. Yeah, we find that often with the false religions. The entanglement. And that's one of the greatest dangers in this is once you start down this road, the way in which it entangles and uh, keeps us even, uh, keeps people from getting out of it. And then there's guilt and there's all kinds of pressures that, that come with it. Great point. So it is obvious that we are in a battle that is spiritual in nature. And we can talk about in just a month and a half all the ghosts and the goblins, the slash murderers, and all the scary, bloody things that are just, in many cases, blatant, obvious evil. But often, Satan masquerades in a much more subtle way with error, with false teaching. We point to the evil, gross monstrosities of wickedness, and we say, yeah, that's, that's obvious. But again, if, if I don't I don't want to go too far with this because I want to stay as close as we can to this outline and keep moving, but where, how did we get to a point in our society that we are mutilating children and doing so in the name of a sexual change, a change of gender? How did we get to this point that name hospitals, national, international recognized hospitals are mutilating children? where parents in California and some school districts are considered the haters, 
just because they want to be informed about what's going on with their child and you actually have a government in California that's trying to hide sex change operations. We could go on and on. How did we get to this point? It seems like Satan has been very subtle. And now it's a very obvious, glaring wrong and evil. And the sexual perversion is now in our face where we have drag queens dancing around in front of school children. And people are saying that is normal and acceptable. It's unbelievable. Well, Hank, go ahead. Yes. Yes. It, ultimately, it comes down to that. You're right, Earl. When God lifts his hand of grace and we're left to ourselves, we will destroy ourselves. I sometimes use the illustration of a baby or a toddler. You leave them at home by themselves and you just go on vacation for a week. They're not going to survive. They're going to destroy themselves. Now, there's laws in place that would convict us of a crime of abuse if we were to do that. But when we reject the truth, when we refuse God and his word and he removes his hand of grace and we're left to ourselves we become reprobate in our mind we deny reality we suppress the truth and we destroy ourselves so good point so we know we are in a spiritual battle it is clear from Ephesians 6 that we are in a great unseen battle that is being fought between believers who are of the light and those who are of the rulers of the darkness of this world Uh, Satan makes lies look really good He creates a false substitute for every truth in the Bible. Seems like everything that God says, Satan has a way to twist, to turn, to manipulate, to add or subtract from that, and to deceive. So, we've talked a little bit about this already. We've identified the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. It's clear from Ephesians 6, principalities, power, spiritual darkness, in heavenly places and high places... But I've asked this question, and we've already spent some time discussing this, but we see that false religions often appeal to, as Becky was talking about, the felt needs of mankind. We can go through a list here, and we can see where people are looking for all of these needs to be met. So there's a need for approval, and along with that is affirmation. And one of, one of the things that people want is to be affirmed in their sin. One of the appeals of false religion is what? I can sin and be justified in it. I can be affirmed in my unrighteousness. That's one of the greatest deceptions in false religions, is I am a sinner, but I can do whatever I want. Now, there are certain false religions that have some boundaries. Doesn't Mormonism appeal to some people because it portrays itself as family-oriented, clean and neat and moral. And they kind of suck people in. They deceive people with that outward kind of clean-cut moral. But we know that once you get beyond the surface, very immoral and uh, obviously a perverted uh, view of marriage and on and on we could go. But affirmation. 
People wanting to be affirmed in their sinful lifestyle. I think I've used the illustration before. An evangelist was talking to a young man, and he was uh, doubting his uh, upbringing. He, was, he grew up in a, a good church, had at least made an outward profession of faith. He uh, claimed to be a believer, and he was about ready to walk out on his family, on his church, on his faith. And the evangelist confronted him, and he said, Young man, are you sleeping with your girlfriend? And the man, the young man dropped his head, and he admitted that he was sleeping with his girlfriend. And he said, the evangelist said, Young man, that's probably why you want to leave your faith. Because you want a system of religion that will justify you in your sin. And I thought, what a great point. So many people join a false religion because they want to be justified in their sinfulness. And what does the Bible do? The Bible condemns all men, condemns everyone as sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The need for refuge, people want someone to protect them, to lead them, to give them all their answers. Sometimes there's a cult of personality. We see that a lot in our culture because people don't want to think for themselves. They want somebody to do all their thinking for them and to... Uh, be the, the one who provides all the answers. So there's a need for answers, a need for significance. Sometimes people will follow a false religion because they believe that in doing so, they find significance. What about terrorists who commit suicide bombings and will do horrible things? What are they told? Sometimes from the time they're little, Hank. Yeah, right, right. But yeah, they, what were they told on 9-11? They were told that they would go to a paradise and they'd have 70 virgins who would be serving them in their sexual desires and lusts for the rest of eternity. Well, I think they woke up after they died. I don't mean this in a cruel, condemning way, in a very sobering way. They woke up. And like the rich man in Luke, the book of Luke, lifted up his eyes being in torment. The sobering reality is they crashed into those buildings or into the ground in Pennsylvania and their next thought was in hell, in Hades. Lifted up their eyes being in torment. That's the truth of the word of God. We don't preach those truths Because they make us feel good about ourselves. We preach those truths because they are eternal realities. And God saved us with those truths and revealed that to us. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. We only believe those truths because God revealed them to us and he saved us. And we have convictions and we believe that truth of the Word of God, the faith. The Bible wouldn't exist today if it were just a man-made book. If it were just a human book, the Bible condemns all of us as sinners. That's not a message that a lot of people want to hear. But false religion will often take the sinner and leave him in his sin and say, you are justified in your sin. Yeah, you can continue to live that way. And no one will condemn you. You can work your way to heaven, etc., etc. Power, is there not many times power that we get into these, these secrets and there's a a power of the individual 
they have a secret knowledge, they can ascend. There's different religions where there's different levels of power, and you can ascend into different places or have secrets that you can use to overpower other people and keep people under your power and control, manipulation, satisfaction, the need for belonging. Sometimes people are, are captivated by false religions because they just want, in a sense, a club. <laughs> they want a place uh, where they can, in a sense, feel at home. Um, we can go into to other things as well. But any further comments or questions here? Earl? That's a great point. It's going back to, again, that affirming us in our sin, justifying sin, and then actually in living out that sin, sometimes the most perverted, wicked forms of that sin, you will be rewarded, according to their systems of false teaching, you are rewarded for committing some of the most basest, worst forms of sin. We look at in the the first century in the idolatry, and we have idolatry today, it's just in a different form. But you look in the first century, like the temple to the goddess Diana, there were cult prostitutes. There was a perversion, an, an immoral perversion that was in the practice of the worship of their false goddess. And it was a way that man is affirmed in his sin and justified in his sinfulness and rewarded for committing acts of, of sin. It's, it's extremely deceptive. But we know that, of course, Jesus meets all of these needs. They are only truly found and satisfied in Jesus Christ. So now, we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to look at these passages of Scripture. I know they're kind of hard to read, maybe, from where you're at, but 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, we were just there, or we probably still are there. Let's look at some of the descriptions. How does the Bible describe these false teachers in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13? We see what? False apostles, right? We also see deceitful workers. What's another one there? Transforming themselves into an angel of light or the apostles of Christ. So we see angels of light and we see false ministers of righteousness. So once again, we see false religion. We see false teaching, masquerading, wearing various masks. And they look like apostles, at least initially, or outwardly, Paul is very serious in mourning. They look like apostles, but they're false. He says they're deceitful workers. So what's one of their, what's one of their MOs? Modus operandi? Deceit. And what does deceit often do? Often takes, as, as Gary was saying, a glimmer of truth and ch- twists it, changes it, inserts some poison, we use the illustration of rat poison. You pick up the box, you look at it, and I think it's over 99% good stuff. And there's just a small fraction of poison that's enough to kill that rat. We see 
Angels of light. Isn't it sad that false religion will even take the form of a nice gray-haired man, a nice gray-haired old lady? I'm not making any kind of (laughs) statements here about anybody who might fit into that category. Please, don't take that the wrong way. But don't we see... (laughs) I got fingers pointed at me. (laughs) But don't, don't we see that sometimes? Who are you, who are you to condemn a Mother Teresa? I know I just put myself out there on dangerous ground. But I listened to a preacher who went and visited Mother Teresa... I'm talking about a gospel preacher, talking about a man who was there in India. It wasn't India, right, that she was serving? And uh, he went there as a gospel preacher, and he met her. And he came back, and he said, here is a woman who is giving her life in a false religion to serve the poor, and she never once gives anybody the true gospel of Jesus Christ. What's that? She didn't even know herself. Mother Teresa, I mean, I know I would get shot for saying that in some places. But good, good old lady, but as far as we know, never truly put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. She was working hard to earn her own salvation. She was part of a false religion. Earl? Oh, really? Hmm. Wow. No assurance. No, no, no solid faith. Yeah. Wow. Sad. So we see how dangerous. We see the way that Paul warns, even as ministers of righteousness. Don't we see some good-looking guys in nice suits and shiny teeth and perfect hair? And their, their wives are, are beautiful and they are leading tens of thousands of people in so-called church services on Sundays, and they have their live streaming and their TV channels, and they look good. They say a lot of really neat things. You can have your best life now. You can have success. You can have all kinds of prosperity. You can fulfill your greatest dreams. You can have all the visions that you want, and you will, with God's help, be fulfilled in all those ways, if you just have enough faith, if you just speak the right words, right? It goes on and on. But are they ministers of righteousness? Are they really preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, repentance of sin and faith in Christ and Christ alone? Yes. Scientology. Scientology, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, a good-looking guy, a good-looking girl, an actress, superstar, whatever, and they're following a certain religion, and it seems to make them look so nice, and, yeah, that they're caught up in a false teaching. All right, any other comments there? And then we go to Matthew 7, 21 through 23. How is a false teacher described in Matthew 7? Verses 21 through 23. What's the description there? 
Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Those are scary verses, aren't they? People that will stand at the judgment seat and say, I've done a lot of good things. I've even prophesied in your name. Scary. False profession. False allegiance. Oops, went too far. So we see people even having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Their trust is not ultimately in Christ, in Christ alone for their salvation. They name Christ. They use the religious lingo. They have a lot of at least superficial knowledge. And they even hang out sometimes with true believers and benefit from some of that grace, if I can say it that way, in a general way. But they've never fully trusted. I think this is where some of my, my biggest burden having been in Christian education for so long and having watched too many of my own classmates who went to a Bible-believing church, who sat in the same Bible classes, in many cases went to the same uh, conferences and youth groups and all of that, and I've seen too many of them walk away from Christ. Too many of them through the years who I now look at and I see on Facebook or Instagram or once in a while I'll find out about their life and they are far away from the Lord, in some cases denying the very things that they were taught that I sat in the same class with or the same youth group with. And it's a great burden of mine that there would be people who would sit in our churches, a Bible-preaching church like this, and have an outward form of godliness but deny the power thereof, not truly repenting of their sin and putting their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation. False profession, false allegiances. They claim to have a true allegiance, but they did not. And of course, the greatest example of that in the Gospels would be who? Judas. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what about uh, Matthew 7 and verse 15? We go back further up. We see beware of what in Matthew 7 and verse 15? And they are, thank you, false prophets, and they come to you in what kind of clothing? Okay, come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, inwardly they are what? Ravening wolves. I think I got out of line. I got out of order here, excuse me, on my um, descriptions. False prophets. Matthew 7 and verse 15. And then we also go to Acts 20, 28, and 29. Acts 20, 28, and 29. And we see in Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall what come? Grievous wolves. What were you saying? Savage wolves or grievous wolves. Enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So very similar to Matthew 7. So we see that description, false prophets, they are ultimately revealed by their works. Ultimately, when you dig in deep and you really look, what happens many times when you look at the lives of these leaders that are really savage or ravenous wolves, what do you find out about them many times? Maybe not initially, but eventually what comes out most of the time, if not all the time? What usually comes out? 
money. There's usually money that they're getting advantage of people. Money. And what else? What's that? Fornication. Yeah. Did somebody say something else? Women. Yeah. Fornication. Fornication and money. Often those are the two primary ways that they have seduced the people. That they have ripped the people off. And I remember uh, an evangelist, I think his name was Hal Webb, he came and spoke to the preacher boys. And I can still see Hal Webb up there. And he said, gold, glitz, and girls. He said, guys, they will ruin your life. They will ruin your ministry. Gold, money, glitz, fame, popularity, and girls, immorality. I remember, Earl, did you ever hear Hal Webb? Okay, okay. He was an old-time evangelist, and he came and <laughs> he let us preacher boys have it. I remember, remember that. Gold, glitz, and girls. That's, uh, that, that stuck with me through the years. Did I see another hand, Hank? Oh, oh, I know. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, he was held up as one of the greatest. Yeah, and then he was massage parlors and separate bank accounts, and what a, what a mess. Oh, yeah. Mm, sad. Galatians 1, 8 and 9. Galatians 1, 8 and 9. I haven't already have the, the statements up there. We're running out of time here. But how are these false teachers described in Galatians 1, 8 and 9? But though we or an angel from heaven. Boy, that's quite the appeal, isn't it? There, there's a, I don't know if it's so much today. There might be some of this. But remember back when Michael Landon was popularizing the show Highway to Heaven? And he was an angel. And there was another. There was some lady who, what's that? Touched by an angel. Yes, yes. Who was the actress? Roman Downey, yes. And I remember when that was when those shows were big and there was all this talk about angels. And do does God providentially bring sometimes people into our lives and we talk about supernatural or providential workings and the guardian angels or people who the angels unawares? Those are I'm not talking about legitimate work of God in a providential way. I like the movie Around Christmas Time, It's a Wonderful Life. But are we to be looking for a Michael Landon, a Roma Downey, a Clarence? <laughs> what, what does Satan often masquerade with? He even says angels of light. Is this not the third passage that we see something about angels or angels of light? How dangerous, how discerning we must be. Just because they are angelic, <laughs> does that mean they're right? Hank? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And are there not fall, are there not fallen angels? We talk about demons. Uh, a conservative let's see I get just a few minutes. A conservative podcast that I, I, I listened to, he just held an interview with a former psychic. And she's talking about what Paul talks about in Corinthians about entering into a spiritual dimension. And she said, I was a masquerader. I was just pretending I was taking people's money. And then I realized I got into dimensions that I did not belong in. And she is warning. She says she got out of that. And here's this man who I don't even know if he's, I don't think he's truly a Christian. I don't think he's truly born again. But he's very conservative and he's interviewing this former psychic. And she's saying, 
I felt the presence of demons. There was demonic activity. It scared me. At first I was into it and I thought I was making money and I was fooling all these people. And then I got into a dimension that scared me and I got out of it. And Paul warns about that dimension and getting into that and then demonic influence and the false teaching. Not everybody goes into that next dimension. But I remember my mom saying when she was a teenager, before she got saved, she played around with a Ouija board with some of her friends. And she said there were some really weird things that went on in the room that night. She said she never went with that group of people ever again to play that kind of game. Scary stuff. Yes. Oh, yeah. So here again we see the warning, Galatians 1, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be what? Accursed, anathema. I believe that's, I believe that's one of the strongest condemnation, words of condemnation in all the scripture. Yeah, condemned to hell. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, Paul, he reiterates it, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. So it is so important that we protect the essence of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came and died on the cross for our sins and rose again through repentance of our sin and faith in him and him alone. Christ alone. Are we born again? Are we saved? Do we become a child of God? That is the essence of the gospel. We must be faithful to that message and watch out for those masquerading. And we'll talk about this some more as we continue next week. But closing comment, did I see another hand? Derek? Vatican II? Oh, right, right, yeah, uh uh-huh. Hmm. Wow. That was an ex- that was a statement out of the Vatican. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is directly contrary. That is a Galatians one eight and nine. Yep. False teaching. You're exactly right. Denying justification by faith alone in Christ alone. Hmm. Closing comments. We'll, we'll come back to this next week, and then again, Lord willing, the next few weeks we'll be able to look at some specific uh, false religions and how we can answer those uh, questions and deal with those. Uh, but let's conclude in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for our time together. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your people, well-taught, discerning, who want to know the truth and to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Lord, I pray that you will help us to strengthen our faith, And to, Lord, be a testimony, to be a witness, uh, to have opportunity, Lord, to give the gospel. And, Lord, help us to continue to stand for the truth of the word of God, to be faithful to the gospel, to you, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, Lord, may we be very discerning and very careful of all the false teaching that is out there. And, Lord, help us to honor and obey you. Thank you, Lord, again for our time together this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll start the service in about 15, 16 minutes. Thank you for being here this morning.